Is it possible that that was the last Bedlam or at least the last Bedlam in Norman? We'll talk about that. We'll get you a little bit ready for Texas Tech. And who's going to opt in, opt out of whatever bowl game Oklahoma ends up on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref from 9 to noon. Josh, it was a wonderful Bedlam atmosphere in Norman on Saturday and really back-to-back Bedlam games that provided great atmospheres. I got friends that are Oklahoma State fans that uh, the, the dad took his son uh, who's not even 10 yet to Bedlam last year. And they said the place was just absolutely rocking. And it looked like that on the broadcast. But during this past weekend's broadcast, uh, the, and then in the post game, Brent Venables and Dusty Vor- Dvorak in the, in the post game or during the broadcast, sorry, excuse me. I got family dealing with the flu. So I'm a little bit off kilter myself. So we're going to get it through though. There was mention that potentially this could be the last Bedlam game for some time. What you, what's your take on all that, Josh? I'll believe it when I see it, though. Just the the rumbling on it, right? Let's let's call it what it is. Dusty Dvorak, connected guy at the University of Oklahoma, right? Uh, if we're using mafia terms, uh, uh, probably a made man, right, in uh, the University of Oklahoma. So, if there's any rumblings on the inside, he's probably you know privy to a couple of them here or there. And then, you know, just dovetailing off of that with what Dusty, you know, was alluding to during the game or asking the question during the game, you know, Brent Venables, that's the first thing he said. The first thing, John, in the post game was something along the lines of, well, you know, what a great atmosphere. It might be the final time, you know, we get this game in Norman for, you know, a long time or any time in the future. So at the very least, uh, as much as I'm in the camp of, John, I I believe that, Business people typically are in the business of making smart business decisions and the money, I guess, right. Has, is going to get, it's going to get doled out one way or the other. The fact of, uh, you know, whether or not OU and Oklahoma state play Bedlam in 2023, all of this, assuming that OU of course is in the conference for the next two football seasons, John, we're operating under that premise right here, right now, but money's getting, getting shared and split up regardless, right. Whether or not you play Bedlam in 23, 24, I get that. But that being said, typically, I would imagine business people like making smart business decisions, which is let's have the highest rated game be one of the games that we have, though, just kind of the tea leaves of this, though, I am going to remain in the I think they're playing Bedlam until I find out that they're not going to play Bedlam with Oklahoma in the Big 12 conference. I'm at least the antennas have gotten raised a little bit just based on, again, Dvorak's comments and Brent Venables afterwards. You know, I've long been of the mind that Oklahoma's last season in the Big 12 would be this year, that in 2023, that they'd actually be in the SEC. And 
constantly, continuously, Joe Castiglione, Joe Harris, Brett Yormark, you know, everybody's kind of said that no, Oklahoma's going to be in the Big 12 throughout the length of their media rights deal. So finally, I had to acquiesce. Like, okay, everybody keeps saying it. I'll give in on this prediction that, that Oklahoma's going to leave for the SEC in for 2023. But the fact that both Dusty and Brent Venables have said maybe this is the last Bedlam game, to me, that's like you don't say that unless there's a little bit of smoke to that. Like that, that's a pretty bold statement to put out there when you don't even know what the Big 12 schedule looks like for 2023. And I can't imagine that Brett Yormark, being a wise businessman that he is, would not want to have that game on the schedule. Like these two teams were not good teams heading into this matchup. Oklahoma State was what seven and three. The Oklahoma Sooners were five and five. And yet ABC put that game in prime time on national television. That goes to show what this game means to the moneymakers, like to the networks, to the advertisers, there's potential for this game. And so to not want to schedule it in 23 or 24, if it's part of the big 12 schedule makes no sense to me. If you're trying to make the most money for your conference through advertising, through media rights deals, All that happens through Bedlam. Oklahoma's got two big matchups on their schedule every single year. Now, depending on how teams are playing, you know, week to week or season to season, those, those games get magnified a little bit, but Bedlam rates higher than Oklahoma, Kansas state, even though Kansas state is a better football team, the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the, the stakes where it's kind of slotted, it rates higher, whether these teams are good or not. And so I imagine that if Oklahoma is still in the Big 12 next year, that that game gets put on the schedule. Even though you've got BYU and Cincinnati and UCF and Houston all coming into the conference, and that's going to throw the schedule up, you know, kind of put it up for grabs a little bit. You don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I still don't imagine that they take Bedlam off the schedule, just like they wouldn't take the Red River Showdown off the schedule. Like that's going to be a part of the schedule if Oklahoma and Texas are in the Big 12. There's no way that the big 12 is going to be like, nah, we're good. We don't want to, we don't want to play those games. And so I think Bedlam, it's going to happen. Now, if it doesn't happen, it's because Oklahoma and Texas aren't in the S aren't, aren't in the big 12 anymore. They're in the sec. So that's, that's the thing that gets me kind of thinking, leaning back toward the idea that, okay, maybe they're going to get something figured out for the rest of this year or after this year. And in the summer, we're looking at a whole new conference landscape and conference realignment like takes hold. So you're not subscribing to the idea that the big 12 potentially could quote unquote, throw Oklahoma state a bone, let them host Bedlam in Stillwater in 2023. And then for that 24 season, yank it off the the slate for Oklahoma. I mean, anything's possible, but I just don't envision Brett Yormark being petty like that. You know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't take any of this personally. It's business, you know, Once you start doing any of this based on how you feel or your emotions, that's when you make poor decisions for your conference. So I don't, I don't subscribe to that at all because Brett Yormark, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about Oklahoma state's feelings in this. He's trying to make the most money for his conference as possible. And the best way to do that is by having one of the more high profile games on the conference schedule. Again, it's not OU Texas, the Red River show, you know, Bedlam is not the Red River showdown. 
But as far as like secondary rivalry matchups, it's one of the better ones in the country. And so, yeah, Brett Yormark's going to put that on the schedule if Oklahoma is a part of the Big 12. It would not. It would not be wise. I mean, yeah, he could throw Oklahoma State a bone, but what good does it do them to not have Oklahoma on the schedule? I mean, strength of schedule wise, perception wise, you want Oklahoma on your schedule. And if you think you're the team that you are and the program that you are, you don't duck Oklahoma. Now, I know Gundy's like eager to get rid of the Bedlam matchup for the foreseeable future, but I don't know, man. He, he's, I don't think he necessarily represents the best interests, interests of his school when he kind of talks about how Bedlam doesn't matter. Oklahoma, like he really underplays the, the meaning of the rivalry. And, and I don't know, like you can say what you want about it not being a rivalry because it's so lopsided. But the energy in that stadium the energy and the buildup to that game. It's a rivalry. Like you look on social media, you talk to, you know, fans and in your different workplaces and people get excited for Bedlam on the Oklahoma Sooners side, on the Oklahoma state side, everybody wants to win this game. It matters. And so for the big 12, if they want to make wise decisions, again, I'm not Brett Yormark. I'm not a conference commissioner. It's just a game that I think it, it moves the needle nationally even when the records aren't very good. Well, and just to your point, I'm looking at sports media watches numbers as we speak. Uh, Top rated game, Ohio State, Maryland, 6.6 million viewers, right? Illinois, Michigan makes sense, right? Uh, Michigan clearly on upset watching that game. Uh, Big 10 West implications for Illinois, 5.47 million. That was the second highest rated game last week. Tennessee, Gets routed by South Carolina, upset, kiss the uh, college football playoff goodbye, 4.87 million. And we could do this game on down. The USC UCLA game outrated OU, Georgia, Kentucky, TCU, Baylor. And then it was Bedlam, right? A Bedlam that didn't have the same type of Bedlam implications as years past, still pulled in 3.06 million viewers, John. So it was the seventh highest rated game, which, look, I get it. That's not like, wow, it's the top of the scale, but. Let's keep in mind where these two teams are at in terms of the national landscape. Oklahoma is not who Oklahoma has typically been, and yet because part of part of it, yes, is the prime time window that it was in, no doubt. But uh, just the game itself, Bedlam, it, it drew well. Yeah, if these two teams had better records, similar to what they had last year, I mean this this game potentially pulls four or five million because it has potentially conference or college football playoff. Uh, seeding implications. It didn't have that. And so the nation isn't going to be as interested in it, but regionally it's still going to be huge. It's still going to pull. So again, I think Bedlam will happen if Oklahoma and Texas are in the big 12. If it doesn't happen, I don't think it's a really wise decision for the conference or for Oklahoma state uh, in, in that vein. So we're going to talk about some bowl situation stuff. Brent uh, Venables had some things to say about players opting in, opting out, playing in the bowl game. We'll talk about that uh, after I talk to you about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best place to get the best candidates that you want to hire. These days, every potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. If you've ever been a part of the hiring process, I mean, it is. You're looking at a person sitting across the table from you and you're looking at their resume, their application, and still you don't have a great feel for who that person is. 
you're trying to ask questions to get to know them a little bit better and see if they're going to be a good fit culturally for you. Well, LinkedIn jobs kind of helps cuts through some of that. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay, Josh, we're talking bowl situations. Oklahoma is now bowl eligible. Brent Venables had, you know, some words on whether or not people or players should opt out of bowl games uh, when he met with the media on Tuesday. Um, And in essence, kind of here's what he said. Um, I've been trying to create loyalty to the journey, loyalty to the brand, loyalty to their teammates, their brotherhood. That's a very real thing. You're not going to just do it overnight. And he says, I'm not a big fan of opting out for a lot of reasons. Most first and foremost, it's being committed to something and finishing what you started. And at some point in time, that's got to mean something, relationships, your opportunity, being thankful for your opportunity, and you play your whole career, any sport, and there's always a risk for injury, things of that nature. But I think just as a man, that's that's what you do, or that you do what you say you're going to do, and no matter what. So... Brent Venables on the side of if you're if you played for us, you play for us in the bowl game. Don't opt out. Injuries can happen at any time. Your reaction, Josh. I'm not surprised that he feels that way. I think most coaches feel that way. I think, you know, contrary to players that have opted out and sensibly opted out, right? To protect professional futures and to not put an injury risk at stake in a final game when there's legitimate money on the line. I think contrary to that, a lot of teammates and players feel that way, right? Is, Hey, I signed up for this. I'm going to see it through. I'm just never going to be in the business, John, of knocking a player for a game. I mean, it would be uh, look, it'd be one thing if we're talking, you know, new year's six game college football playoff game. But if it's not one of those, then it's hard for me to sit here and be super, super critical of anybody making the quote-unquote business decision. But, hey, I understand what Brent Venables is saying. Uh, I would love to see him get that implemented and that belief that that belief system in place at OU because as a fan, right, you want all these stars to play. I've kind of, you know, come around, though, too, to the other side of the equation Uh, even though some of it didn't really materialize for Oklahoma this year, there was a level of excitement based on some of the guys that opted out last year for Oklahoma. John, we got a look at Ethan Downs. We got a look at stripling, right? I mean, extended roles for some of these guys that we kind of hadn't seen before. So again, I, how do I feel about it? I'd, I'd like to see, I guess the best players for Oklahoma play because I think bowl games are important. Do I think it ultimately determines how 2023 is going to play out? No, absolutely not. I don't. But I do think that there's a correlation to how you recruit over the spring and how you recruit over the summer, right? Just the general momentum of a football program. I I believe in that. I believe you should want to win anytime you go out. But again, that being said, 
I'm not stomping up and down in a rage because you get to see some different players in a bowl game. In some ways, that's almost positive for the next season. Yeah, last year we saw you know a handful of guys opt out. We had players like Caleb Williams, Kennedy Brooks opt to play in the game. I mean, Caleb Williams, we, it was still uncertain whether or not he was going to transfer. I think most people still assumed that he was going to. You know, we just had a hope that maybe he'd stay. But Kennedy Brooks played in the game. I mean, what did he have to prove? Like, he ran for over 3,000 yards at Oklahoma, averaged seven yards per carry. He didn't have anything to prove in that game, but he played in it. And, I mean, I don't. it didn't help his draft status. It didn't hurt his draft status. But you saw guys like Nick Bonito and Perrion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas opt out, and um, they all got drafted. But I, I think there is something to, you know, finishing what you start, you know, being with your teammates, being with your, your family, your brothers. Um, I, I get where he's coming from on that. You don't want to kind of stand on the, on the sideline and watch those guys kind of do the work and, and put in the work and then go play in a game. If you're going to play in the bowl games, if we're going to have the bowl games, every game matters, you know, like that's part of the reason there was so much optimism about Oklahoma going into the off season was because of their Alamo bowl win and the way that they won. Like it wasn't just that they won is that they were dominant in the way that they, they won the game. But that being said, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not going to criticize players for wanting to opt out. Now, I think for a lot of Oklahoma players that are looking at NFL draft eligibility right now, I think most of them probably need to play in the game because there's a, a lot of inconsistency that's kind of popped up this year with certain guys like Marvin Mims. Like, I think he needs another game of tape to kind of help get, give scouts something to look at that's not much of the 2022 season or just come back next year. You know, the guys that are going to be back next year, they're going to play, but you're looking at like an Anton Harrison. I mean, I don't know if that guy has much more to prove, but he might decide to come back. There was an article uh, from pro football network uh, that came out this last week that kind of based on sources that uh, I think it was Tony Canada over at pro football network people he talked to is that Oklahoma is really trying to encourage Anton Harrison to come back next year uh, with a big NIL package. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, if he decides to go to the NFL, like he didn't really have much else to prove except just being in the game and playing. Um, Chris Murray, another guy that I think that there's not going to be much that moves the needle with a, a bowl performance from him. So I don't think the bowl game is going to hurt guys. I don't think it'll, it'll help guys a whole lot. Uh, but the, it's one last opportunity to show guys, just show NFL scouts like, hey, there, here's the type of player I am. Here's some more film that you can work with to decide if I'm a draftable player or where I should be drafted. You know, you said something that was very, very interesting to me there. The Anton Harrison puzzle piece. I've heard similar things from, I wouldn't even describe my friends as those in the know, but my Kansas state friends that feel like there's a legitimate chance for them to lure or convince Deuce Vaughn to come back to Kansas state another year because of name image and likeness packages. So, you know, this is maybe a, as soon as the season goes final conversation, but that's interesting here with Anton Harrison in Oklahoma and just big picture for college football. I think that's going to be something interesting to follow is, do we see drafts that are honestly have kind of more talent in them going forward because guys stick around longer, right? Do you 
because of these name, image, and likeness packages that now all of a sudden you can put together for players, and especially, John, for proven commodity players, those are the guys that absolutely you can turn it into dependent upon which round maybe you're looking at, whatever that NFL draft grade looks like. Well, for the right guy and for the right reasons to try and make my next college season more successful, absolutely I'm trying to get folks on board to put together the name, image, and likeness package that is commensurate to or better than whatever the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round you know, NFL contract would look like for a season. And all of a sudden that's doable in college football, right? Within, within the rules, that's doable. There's no, no harm, no foul in doing those kinds of things. So what type of an effect would that have or will that have on college football going forward I think is an interesting, interesting question. And what kind of an effect are we going to see in that regard here at the University of Oklahoma? Yeah, Anton Harrison's going to be quite the test case. I mean, I, I don't know what his intentions are. He might still opt to go to the NFL because to me, he's a he's a second round guy. Like he's a solid second rounder. He's got a lot of experience playing left tackle at the collegiate level. I mean, not always perfect, not always great, but he has enough good tape that you can feel really comfortable about taking him in the second round and then trying to develop him into a legit frontline starting left tackle in the NFL. The rest of Oklahoma's players, aside from Eric Gray, like, I don't know. I just don't know where they would stand in the pecking order of the NFL draft in 2023. Like Eric Gray, to me, he's, you know, a top hundred pick. He's shown enough skill this year that he can catch the football out of the backfield. He's done good in pass pro. He's a good running between the tackles. Like he's shown enough that you can feel pretty, pretty good about. And I say maybe top hundred pick that might be generous for a running back in today's you know day and age, but he's easily a draftable running back first four rounds, five rounds, you know, like you can draft him, but could, could the university entice those guys be like, Hey, stick around one more year, improve your draft stock and you'll you'll have kind of some guaranteed cash coming towards you that may or you know you don't have 100% guaranteed contracts in the NFL except for some of the the top guys maybe they stick around one more year just to kind of like get a little bit more cash in their pocket improve their draft stock Anton Harrison goes from you know a top 60 pick to a, a top 40 pick you know for 2024 i mean another year of development that's not unreasonable with as many snaps as he has on his on his resume, it's not unreasonable to expect that he could potentially be a top 40 first round pick because he's got the athleticism, he's got the skill. It just you know needs to put more and more together to warrant being a premium pick in the NFL draft. So I don't know, just a really interesting element of college football now with the way NIL could impact these guys staying around one more year. I think it's good for college football. I think it's good for also the players and their development too, because so many times guys jump early into the NFL draft and completely misread their value to NFL teams. And so if they, if they're willing to stick around one more year to really solidify who they are as a player and solidify what their tape looks like, I think that's only good for them. It's good for the sport in general, because you get more experienced players staying around longer. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it all transpires. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to follow over the next month as we or a few weeks, I guess we won't be won't be playing in a bowl game probably in late December, but we'll be playing in one in December. So we'll we'll start finding out not long after this Texas Tech game, wh which players are going to transfer, uh, which players are going to opt out of the bowl game, which are entering the NFL draft. So we'll we'll have a, a lot to talk about in the lead up to whatever bowl game Oklahoma gets interested in. One more note on that. 
uh, USA Today projects that Oklahoma will face South Carolina uh, in the Liberty Bowl. So that could be a lot of fun. Maybe Spencer Rattler, little Shane Beamer, Austin Stogner. Could be good times, a little reunion uh, in the bowl game. So we'll talk more about that as bowl season comes upon us. Last thing we're going to talk about before we get out of here, and that is the Texas Tech Red Raiders, who the Oklahoma Sooners will face Saturday evening in Lubbock for a, a night game. Thank you, Big 12, for the night game in Lubbock. And obviously, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge in, in Lubbock. Uh, the place you need to go, figure out what everybody's thinking about this game. Well, that's betonline.net. Your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can check out all of the latest uh, NFL developments, matchup, news, podcast, and more, including, obviously, this week's games over at betonline.net, your continued source for all of your sports wagering information. Head on over to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, that's where the game starts. So Texas Tech was in a similar circumstance to Oklahoma last week. Now, they went and got their work done on the road up in Ames, Iowa, really put the final nail in the coffin of the uh, Iowa State Cyclones. Any hopes for Matt Campbell and company turning this into, uh, you know, a salvageable positive season for them, really kind of the only only ray of sunlight for Iowa State is that early season win over Iowa. They hadn't been able to beat those guys. They finally got that accomplished this season. So what does that tell us about Texas Tech? Well, it tells us that Texas Tech is bowl eligible coming into the game like OU, which – I don't know. You tell me, is that positive for Oklahoma that there's a little perhaps less of a sense of desperation for Texas Tech? Now, I'll I'll counter argue the thing myself real quick, John, and say, you know, that was a desperate football team, we think, right? And Iowa State still trying to fight for its bowl eligibility as well. So clearly, uh, Mr. McGuire and company, they've got a team that uh, appears to be playing uh, its best football at the right time. So where do you stand with that? Is that good news for OU that Texas Tech is bowl eligible coming into this thing? I mean, I think it's neutral because it's Oklahoma coming to Lubbock for a night game, and that's going to have everybody geeked up. It's going to have the players really excited. I mean, Oklahoma's kind of a wounded animal this year, and everybody's looking to kind of get their licks in. It's, it's not – I think they'll be just as hyped for this game as they would have been if they were still fighting for bowl eligibility. I don't, I don't think the emotion, I don't think the atmosphere is going to change much. Texas tech could be a one win team with Oklahoma coming to town. They'd still be excited about potentially being able to knock off the sooner. So I think that's going to be, an, it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. I mean, it's one more chance for this team to kind of take on a challenge on the road uh, where they haven't really played great uh, this year. And, you know, try and get another win, get to seven wins with a chance at an eighth win uh, in the bowl game. So I think there's still a lot to play for, for Oklahoma, even though they got bowl eligibility, they got to continue to build upon what we've seen over the last three, four, you know, three out of the last four weeks. The offense has got something to prove. I think after what happened over the final three quarters last week, the defense, you know, I think a lot of people feel really good about the direction of the defense, but you got to keep building on it. You're not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. And so you got to go into this game hoping to be better. You know, Texas Tech, they're a pretty good offensive football team. They've had a lot of quarterback turnover this year, and they're playing a lot of different guys. Uh, Donovan Smith's played in 11 games. Baron Morton's played in eight games. Uh, Tyler Shuck took over recently, and he's been playing pretty good football as well. I mean, they're a passing offense that's averaging 295 yards per game. Their, their run game is averaging 151 
per game. They're running a ton of plays similar to what Oklahoma's doing. Uh, you know, 82 plays per game. So that's going to put the defense in a stress situation. Um, but they're only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. So potentially you have an opportunity to, to get something going against their running game as a defense where you've been kind of weak. Now, a lot of it's going to depend on, Hey, it's Donovan Smith that gets a majority of the snaps. Then that could spell danger for Oklahoma because we've seen them struggle against running quarterbacks. But if we see more Tyler Shuck, maybe that bodes well for the Sooners. Um, so I think there's, it's a, it's a game where Oklahoma has got a chance to, to have a really good performance. Uh, but again, they got to have to overcome the, the environment, which is going to be a really strong one. Um, you know, Texas tech is going to be excited to play against the Oklahoma Sooners. Taj Brooks, he's averaging 4.8 yards per carry. So Roderick Thompson, he's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. They're going to run the football. They're going to challenge Oklahoma on the ground. And will this team be up to the test? I think it's an important game. I mean, every game's important for everybody, right? Look, I get it. No, no duh cliche, but I do <laughs> <Doi>. think <laughs> doy. I do think for Brent Venables, it's a particularly important game here at the end of the season because what happened? You got rolled by a first-year head coach in Sonny Dykes to book in the season by getting beat or perhaps getting beat convincingly in Lubbock. Ultimately, how much of an impact does that have on the way OU inks up its uh, 2023 class or jumpstarts its 24 class? Okay, I don't have a quantifiable answer in that regard, and I would probably guess not very much at all, right? Probably not going to have a direct effect on the 23 season in general, right? But what it will have an effect on is this. The you and I's of the world and the fans and just the – the atmosphere around Oklahoma, both inside and outside, right? In Norman, outside of Norman, what people are saying will be much more positive about Brent Venable's first season if he doesn't get skunked by these first-year head coaches similar to himself. So I think that's just kind of an interesting storyline within the game itself. Again, I don't think it's a game-changing factor going forward for OU's program, John. I do think, though, it the mood around OU it's it's at stake this week for Brent Venables. And I think that extends to Jeff Levy and to Dylan Gabriel to an extent as well. I mean, what we've seen from Dylan Gabriel, we've seen a lot of really good. We've also seen some really inconsistent play and for Oklahoma and for the, for the program really to have confidence in him going forward. I think he needs to start putting together you know, a couple of really strong performances and that has to happen this week against Texas tech. Like he's going to have to have a better performance than he did last week. You can't be inconsistent. You can't be off target. Uh, several players, Jaleel Farouk, he's going to have to have a bounce back game. Like you can't have three drops. And especially as I'm starting to hype you up and be like, okay, this guy could be your wide receiver one next year. Then you go out and you have three drops in a game. Like that, that can't happen, man. You got to have better focus than that. So the passing offense has got to be better going out, uh, finishing out the regular season and Jeff Levy, he's going to have to learn some situational time management skills a little bit better. And I think this is a, could be a good game to put that into effect a little bit. I'm, that's not saying that they're going to get up by four scores against Texas tech, but you get in a situation where you have an opportunity to kind of kill some clock, whether it's at the end of the first half or late in the game. Hey, let's see that you've learned something from your previous experience and let's do that. And, you know, I know we, one thing I, I, I feel like we also need to talk about is like, hey, Dylan Gabriel, you're the one that's snapping the ball. You're calling for the snap. 
So you can tell the offensive line, Hey, let's just let this run down the five seconds and then we'll snap the ball. Like we don't, we don't have to go fast. We can also, I can also make that decision because I'm the guy on the field. So I, I felt like that was worth mentioning because we hadn't really talked about his role in the, the speed and the pace of the play that the offense plays at. So anyway, that's all to say, this is an opportunity for them to correct mistakes, put another good foot forward and build confidence going into next year. And I don't think those things should be taken lightly. Um, they do matter. Um, they matter within your program. They matter within your you know position group because Dylan Gabriel this year, he hasn't had a really quality backup, but next year, I mean, he's going to have a second year, Nick Evers. He's going to have Jackson Arnold coming to town. So for him to build confidence within the quarterback room, within the wide receiver room, within the locker room, he's going to have to put together some strong performances. Otherwise there's going to be, I mean, there's already chatter about Jackson Arnold. We talked about it on our live stream. Could Jackson Arnold start day one? And the, the chatter's already out there. He needs to silence that and in a, a deafening way. He needs to really put that to bed and he can do that with a really good performance against Texas tech and in the bowl game and then start 2023 off hot. But Anything else you want to mention on that before we get out of here, Josh? Nothing important other than you're calling for Dylan Gabriel to pull a little Johnny Cage, right? This is Mortal Kombat. We right. fight it. Take a little ownership, Dylan, of the uh, the clock management or lack thereof. I mean, seriously, like if it's like the point guard, you know, the, the coach calls the play in. The point guard has the ability to, you know, he sets up the offense, he runs the offense, but also when he initiates that, that's up to him. Like he determines when that gets initiated. Like if you're up big late in the game, you're the point guard. You're not initiating the offense with 20 seconds left on the, on the shot clock. You're, you're waiting until there's 10, five seconds left on the shot clock before you initiate the offense to get another bucket. Same. I mean, it's, it's simple time management skills. Dylan Gabriel, he's got the ability to slow the game down because he's the quarterback. He's the one initiating everything on the field. Jeff Levy can, he can want to play fast. But basic football has to come into play a little bit too. And, and you as the quarterback, you have to take the lead on that. It, you have to take ownership of that. That's your responsibility as the leader on the field to understand like, hey, we need to slow the game down a little bit. Yes, we want to play fast as an offense. That's our identity. But in this situation where we're up 15 points late in the fourth quarter, we're going to take as much time off the clock as we possibly can before we snap the ball. The end. <laughs> and that's going to do me. Yeah, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooner. Sorry, Dylan Gabriel, just had to go in on you a little bit. Uh, but make sure you tune in next time. Hey, we're going to have Joshua Bates, 2023 center commit, currently the longest tenured commit for the 2023 class. He's going to be on our show tomorrow night. Just give us an update on what he's been up to this fall. Uh, he had a playoff game, uh, playoff appearance over in Colorado football. So we'll hear more about that here. Just kind of his thoughts on the, the way the, the class is building and coming together. Maybe some of the guys he's excited to, to line up against uh, come springtime and uh, his, his uh, impressions of Bedlam um, and what he thought of uh, being in Norman on Saturday night. So until then, make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. We're free and available on all platforms. Also subscribe to the show over on YouTube where you can be updated when we have our live stream, which is on Monday nights or when new episodes drop as well. So hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to let you know when those episodes drop. But for Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.